my wonderful listeners. I am Rachel. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic and stroke survivor. Welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. We had an emotional one yesterday, didn't we? And I am here to tell you that it's okay. That's the thing. I It's reality podcasting. I don't know. Is that a thing? I'm going to look it up. Maybe that's... that's um, I'm the next Kardashian or something. I don't know. I should stay away from talking about what I have no idea what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, it's okay. I was definitely emotional yesterday. I'm not fully, you know, cured of it just because I had a rough day yesterday and I and I bawled on the podcast. But um, but it felt good, and I think it's important to do that when I'm feeling it and not delete it out of the recording because um, I want to show you that it's okay to do that, like to not be embarrassed um, because we all cry. We all get upset. Um, so that is, that is that, and today's episode touches on this truth that many of us in the recovery community learn often painstakingly, definitely painstakingly for me, and that is that healing doesn't happen overnight. So the healing happens holistically um, over time. And not only physical healing, so um, what I was thinking about today was all of these different pieces of my holistic health. Um, Physically, what was broken when I first entered into sobriety? Well, my liver was absolutely questionable as to whether it was going to start healing itself. Um, My nutrition, which was visible, excuse me, was visible in uh, me being underweight, um, my skin was very, what's the word? Is placid the word? It was just super pale and just, um, I feel like if you pushed on it, it like didn't bounce back. Like it was just, de- I was dehydrated and, and all that stuff. Um, my hair was really unhealthy and like breaking and like, thinning and um, falling out. Um, And then my nails were really brittle. My teeth were terrible. I had to end up going to a periodontist and get, and I've talked about that episode. Um, So all of that just physically took time for me to start healing and today, like, let me just tell you, my hair is like the best hair I've ever had. It's um, it's super healthy and has a lot of just, it's, yeah, it's soft and thick and all of that stuff. And that's just one example of, you know, of the physical healing. And that is just really based on what I was putting in my body, which is fascinating to me. Um, And then there's the emotional side of my health and clearing away that dark place. Uh, Mentally, 
healing uh, by building this foundation of strength, which I've learned through or am learning. I hate to use past tense because I'm always going to be learning how to use the tools of the program to build this foundation of strength to handle life as it comes. I'm so much better at that. I'm so much better at being able to, I don't panic. You know, for the most part, when something happens, I don't really panic anymore. I feel confident in myself to be able to handle things. And that's part of the that's part of what the program tells me. And that's part of what the promises of my program tell me. And I'm going to get into uh, what the promises are. <clears throat> but uh, spiritually, you know, um, healing spiritually, knowing I'm not alone and I'm just this piece of this grander picture, which is what I talked a lot about yesterday. So in today's daily reflection, which is a reading that you can find on aa.org, it has a daily reflection of things that we learn in the program. And this is something that in my uh, sobriety meeting and at 7 a.m. on Saturday mornings, we read from the Daily Reflection. Again, that's on aa.org. And uh, we talk about it. So this morning, <clears throat> it was talking about that um, healing doesn't happen overnight. And it reminded me that I'm never cured of this alcoholism, this disease that I have. What I have is a daily reprieve that's based on me doing the work and practicing the principles of my program and all of my affairs. And that includes in my stroke recovery. And that is how I've been able to apply my program so much to my stroke recovery because I apply my program to everything. You know, I try to apply it to everything that I'm going through in all of my affairs. So stroke recovery is just one of my affairs, you know, um, and it tells me that sobriety is not a destination it's uh, just a daily walk, and it requires maintenance, um, much like tending to a garden, you know, picking weeds. Um, <laughs> when, when I think about my garden and I think of daily maintenance, I think of the, I have, um, it's just a tiny little garden in front of our townhouse, and I have these bricks that I bought and, you know, I stacked like a wall and um, a little pathway that I made that I'm pretty proud of that I laid by myself. And um, anyway, these kids in the neighborhood will um, <clears throat> play baseball and basketball with like, like right out in front of our house. And so if the ball goes into my garden, they just jump into the garden and they typically will stand on top of the brick wall that I have set. And so they just tumble over and the kids like don't pick them up or anything like that's really aggravating. But that is the some of my daily 
maintenance to my garden is is having to pick up these these uh, bricks that the kids use as balancing beams. Um, but anyway, it's fine. You know, they're being kids. I try to remind myself of that. Um, so hope it's hopeful thinking when we enter sobriety, when we stop drinking and think that quitting drinking is going to instantly fix all of our problems. Um, and that's, that's what it's hopeful thinking. And it's an inability really to surrender completely and have things happen in God's time, not mine. And when the fog of alcohol finally lifted for me, which it that is gradual also, you know, uh, after like three months, I remember feeling really positive and feeling clear headed. But today, like in retrospect, when I look back, that fog was really there for at least a year for me. And when the fog lifted, as it gradually lifted, it didn't reveal this like perfect landscape of in front of me of my life. In fact, it was more of like life's disarray and the destruction that I had caused that that the fog like uh, when it lifted, I could see that and the family dynamics that I had ignored and the professional bridges that I had, I wouldn't say I burned like I don't think I you know, maybe I'm wrong because I was drunk during that time, but um, I don't know that I really was terribly like burning bridges and stuff, but I certainly didn't leave a very good impression with with um, a couple jobs ago. Um, and then the financial trouble that I had, that was huge for me. I really had started to ignore my finances and it became really overwhelming. And and then, of course, the severe physical damage I had um, done to myself that I didn't even know. It's, it's really amazing that we have this one body and it's our only chance. That's it. We have this one body and yet we don't treat it. We treat our cars better than we treat our bodies. Um, and I think that more and more I'm starting to recognize that, unfortunately, I wish I had, you know, woulda, coulda, but um, I still have a half of a life ahead of me that I can, I can still take care of this body of mine. And I remember looking at others and wondering how they seemed so effortlessly like carefree like they didn't have the same struggles as me and it's it's kind of like when we look at other families and we think oh you know they have the perfect family they have the perfect life they have the perfect house it's never what it actually is on the inside of that house it never is and 
I've seen that over and over uh, throughout the years that um, what appears to be one way on the outside is is never what it actually looks like. Um, <clears throat> but alcohol was my shortcut to creating that illusion in my own life. Um, and as we know, shortcuts often lead to further entanglements, you know, messes. And for me, <clears throat> immediate gratification is my nemesis. Um, as, as I stopped drinking, all that fog didn't magically disappear. And the more that I tried to find a way to have immediate gratification, the slower the fog was lifting. And, but when it finally did, and it did through working, showing up at meetings, talking to my sponsor, and, and reading the literature, what it revealed was all of this work that I have ahead of me. And that is a difficult revelation when you have tried so hard to put the drink down and you feel like that was the struggle. You know, all you had to do was put the drink down and then your your answers were going to be revealed and, and things were going to start getting better. And the big book... Um, has been my roadmap, really, through the chaos, especially in the beginning. I think today I I don't even recognize when I'm reciting something from the big book or I'm relating something that I'm going through to the big book. Um, and what it does is it promises this big book of AA, it promises transformation as long as I'm diligent in my recovery work. And just having the literature alone isn't enough. And just talking to my sponsor isn't enough. Just going to meetings isn't enough. I need all of them. Um, and then this freedom and freedom from obsession of alcohol, happiness that just exists without me having to do something to get it, you know, immediate gratification, serenity, which I've told you, like, I remember the moment that I first felt serenity. I had never felt it before. And and just this peace that is just feeling like it's always existing in my life now. I feel like that peace to me is equivalent to or, or is the opposite of the unmanageability that I used to feel in my life. <clears throat> and these things, this freedom, happiness, serenity, and peace were milestones. Like if I look back now, these are milestones that revealed my progress in sobriety. And I remember first feeling them, each of them. 
Um, but mostly the Serenity one, just because I don't, I never knew what that felt like before. Um, and I bet that there are deeper levels of each of these things that I haven't even begun to surface. And I'm sure that I will over time as I continue to be consistent in my program. Um, but it doesn't come easy and it comes through work. And I've I've done some episodes on doing the work in recovery. I have a blog on the website about doing work in recovery. And um, the work is facing the realities that I used to drink to ignore and drink to forget. So in my journey of sobriety, I have healed financially, I have healed physically, I have, honestly, I have healed emotionally. I feel more like I'm a human being feeling, feeling human being feelings now. Before, I used to feel like it was out of control, like my feelings were uh, sucking me in, like engulfing me, um, something that I just, I couldn't handle. I didn't know what to do with them. And I feel like now I can handle these things. They still, I still feel pain. I still feel sad. Um, and, but I don't feel like I can't face it. I feel like, the program has given me the tools to know what to do when I feel certain feelings. I've had lots of episodes about feelings, about primary feelings and secondary feelings and how complex it is. And I love to dig into that stuff because it's just, it is so complex. And it's amazing that any of us know how to navigate life with all of these human feelings. Um, so these promises of the program, um, these were on the wall when I remember first going into my AA meetings out in West Virginia and I also remember them being on the wall when I went to my um, Club 12 meetings in Leesburg. And I would look at them, um, and there's 12 of them. And I would be like, you know, I would, I would read them, kind of like when people were sharing and I'm looking over at them, and I'd look at them and be like, number three, no way. Number four, psh, yeah. Number 11, what does that even mean? You know, like, that's what I'm thinking to myself. But um, but today they have really come true. And the, pro the, the program promises that with hard work, the, the promises do come true. So these are what the promises tell me. So number one is you will be amazed before you are halfway through. Number two, you will know a new freedom and happiness. So yeah, that, just assume, 
that I have, I feel these things. Like I have reached these promises. I'll tell you if there's any that I'm like, mm, maybe I'm still not there yet. So we'll see. But I have definitely been amazed. I definitely know a total new freedom and happiness. Number three, you will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. I That was a big one for me that I was like, there is no way in hell <laughs> that I am not going to regret the past. But honestly, I'm being totally honest. I truly believe that I wouldn't have the joy and the serenity that I have today if I have had not experienced what I had in the past. Absolutely. So I don't regret it. There are things I, sure, I wish I didn't do, but I don't regret it because I don't think I would be here in this as this woman today if I hadn't have done all that stuff, if I hadn't experienced all that stuff. Some people don't have to experience that stuff to to get to the joy and, and all that. But I'm I have a disease and I had to do that. And um so I feel like number three, you know, it has come true for me. Number four, you will understand serenity and no peace. Yes. For sure. Number five, your experiences will benefit others. Well, here I am. I'm sharing my experience, strength, and hope on a freaking podcast on the internet. Um, I never imagined I'd be doing that. I was terrified to even share in a meeting and I would cry. But today, you know, I obviously I still cry and now I cry on the <laughs> on the internet. But um I feel I'm reassured by others that I that my experiences do benefit them. Number six, the feelings of uselessness and self-pity will vanish. Okay, I did talk about yesterday, and I was just talking to my mom this evening about how I've been feeling a little self-pity. Um, so I'm not perfect, and it comes and it goes. Uh, I think this is where mental health awareness is important. And when I start feeling these feelings, I have the tools in my toolbox, in my recovery toolbox, to do something about it. And my action is to start going to a psychotherapist about these feelings of self-pity. And number seven, your interest will shift from yourself to others. That is absolutely true. I, after my meetings, I think about others that shared in the meeting and I reach out to them and tell them, you know, that I'm here for them if they need me. Um, and I, I always was impressed by like my boyfriend and other people's way of thinking of others. And I just was never able to do that. I always thought that I was a pretty nice person. I never thought of myself as selfish, but I was. I completely was. And it wasn't until um, really later, the past couple years in sobriety, that I have recognized how beneficial it is to me and my healing to think of others and reach out to others. So 
eight, self-seeking will fall away. I think that's, you know, really in line with that. Um, nine, your whole attitude and outlook will change. Absolutely. Ten, fear will subside. I, I The fear that I have known my whole life has subsided. The things that I was fearful of my whole life have subsided. I, of course, have new fears that pop up. But again, I have the tools in my recovery toolbox to know what to do with those. I'm not perfect. It's progress, not perfection. Number 11, uh, you will know how to handle situations that used to baffle you. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Um, you know, sometimes if I'm not sure what to do, I can reach out to somebody in my program and talk about it. I don't have to handle anything alone anymore. Sometimes I'll just uh, add it to my prayers and my gratefuls. And I, instead of reacting, I'm pausing and being contemplative and thinking about what I want to do and being responsive instead. And And that is how... I'm more easily able to handle situations that used to baffle me. And number 12, the last one, you will realize a power greater than yourself is working in your life. And, um, you know, I've been I've been sharing a lot about that. It's funny, over the past six months, I've gone from not wanting to talk about it at all to talking about it a little bit. And now I'm talking about it a lot more. <clears throat> I still am a little uncomfortable talking about higher power or God or anything like that, but um, whatever, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable. And if I want to talk about it, I will. If I don't want to, I won't. Um, it's fine. But I do realize that there is something greater working in my life. All that matters is that I know that I'm not in control, you know, that that I'm just a piece of of this grander picture. So we ask in the program, are these extravagant promises? And they certainly seem like it. They really do seem like it. But in my program, it says that they will manifest sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly, but they always will if I put the work in. Um, so if you're feeling like you're stuck in some kind of fog, um, remember that it will clear away gradually if you address it. Um, and this is where that painstaking word really comes into play. It doesn't feel good. And it makes me think of when I was training for my 5K. I had my own, you know, goal that I created for myself for absolutely no reason um, that I wanted to be able to run a 5K. And when I first started doing it and I first started like running one minute, walking one minute, running one minute, walking one. And I remember it being like 90 something degrees outside and I was miserable. I, I. But I was so freaking determined. That's me. That is me. Classic Rachel. I was so determined that I was just not going to stop. And um, and it didn't feel good. But by the end 
of each practice, it felt good. It felt good, again, holistically. It felt good, like, sometimes I would actually try to, um, I would think about my higher power while I was running, and I would think um, that my higher power was with me while I was running, that I wasn't out there running by myself. It was like this short version. Uh, it was like a representation of my entire sobriety program. Each, each time I went out and ran, ran, walk, ran <laughs> my 5k, it felt like a representation of my entire, yeah, sobriety program where I would just take one step at a time, where I would remind myself, you're okay right now. You're okay right now. You know, and that's when when I first entered sobriety, I had to look at myself like on a daily basis, sometimes hourly, sometimes minute by minute, and and say to myself, you're okay right now. You're okay right now. And, um, and it was just cool for me to have that experience. Um, but it doesn't feel good in the beginning. And it was tough, but that, that first year where it is really tough, that is where the most profound change is, in my opinion. Um, it's like learning how to walk again without a crutch, alcohol being the crutch. Um, but as we do the work and we continue to invest in ourselves um, and nurture our sobriety and try to build this relationship with whatever you're considering your higher power, whether it's something you've come up with in your head or if it's actually, you know, somebody you know, the, the AA program or nature, whatever it is that you create as your higher power, um, keep building a relationship with it. The promises will absolutely unfold. Absolutely. And I think that that's the beauty of this thing that I'm doing every day, every step is progress. And with each day that passes, I'm growing stronger and more connected and more present. Um, of course, I'm going to have bad days. And sometimes it seems like my bad, my bad times come in chunks, come in weak chunks. And I've mentioned just a couple days ago that it feels like they come once a month, which is, which is funny. <laughs> but it's like, I just, um, I need to lean further into the program. It's like my tank gets empty and I start feeling hopeless about my stroke recovery. That's I feel like I haven't gotten an answer yet, you know, and it might just be watching the calendar go by and continuing, like the seasons are starting to go by and nothing's changing, 
you know, um, it's we're calling for snow um, these days. And I don't feel any different than I did when it was 100 degrees outside and I wasn't able to go to the pool and sit by the pool. That can be frustrating to watch the seasons change around you, but there's no seasons changing inside of me. Um, But I know that I don't, I know intellectually that I don't need to make this frenzied rush to try to fix everything. Just like when I first got sober, it's not a frenzied rush to fix everything. It's about being patient and steadfast towards my future self. My future self is waiting for me. She is. She's waiting for me. She's going to wait for me. She's going to be patient and wait for me. I just have to keep walking towards her. And she just wants me to pick up as much valuable stuff along the way. You know, it's like I've got this backpack on. And as I walk towards her, my future self, I'm just picking up all of these tools and I'm sticking them in my backpack. And eventually when I get to her, uh, I'm going to have what I, the fullest um, toolkit that I could possibly have to, um, to give myself my best, my future self, my best life. So um, recognizing that, um, that I have enough, like I talked about yesterday, um, when painstaking feels particularly painstaking. You know something that the reason why I just laughed when I said I have enough is that yesterday's podcast was about uh, recognizing that we have enough. And I started out really positive, And then in the end, I was crying because I missed my kids. And I'm pretty sure I know why I was crying. Like my niece was here and it, it made me miss like that young energy. And I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of my kids. And, you know, you miss life. You miss the old life, the old stuff. And, um, and that's just, I think, what was going on with me. Um, and just my head didn't feel good and all that stuff. And, um, but I, I recognized like when I was falling asleep that the episode started out with, I have enough. And it ended with me kind of coming across as I don't have enough. I don't have the things that I need. Um, but I know you guys forgive me for <laughs> whatever comes out in my episodes. So anyway, I cherish my daily reprieve and remember that each moment And sobriety is a victory in itself. It is an absolute miracle that I am sitting here today without alcohol, sitting here alive, period. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for you uh, tuning in. And um, thanks for joining me. And I will talk to you tomorrow.